Welcome to the PropTech Podcast. It's Kylie Davis here, and I'm delighted to be your host as we explore the brave new world where technology and real estate collide. It's so great to have you here and to share stories of innovation and opportunity across real estate, property, and building services. And the aim of each episode is to introduce listeners to a PropTech innovator who is pushing the boundaries of what's possible across how we design, build, buy, sell, rent, and invest in property and all of the associated behavior and activities around that. Now, none of this would be possible without our sponsors. So a big shout out to the Direct Connect team, making moving easy, Dynamic Methods, the innovators behind the Forms Live and RealWorks Forms, and the PropTech Association of Australia. Thank you for your support of the podcast. My guest this week is one of my most favourite people on the planet and a woman I am proud to call a very dear friend, the amazing Kylie Dillon from Real Time Conveyancer. Now, Real Time Conveyancer is a new startup that delivers an end to end transaction and customer management system for conveyances. Kylie has extensive experience in this field, with more than 19 years running her own conveyancing group, KDD Conveyancing in Perth, plus two years consulting with PEXA on the digital settlement universe, doing a strategic analysis of how it impacted on conveyancing. And it was at PEXA that she met her co-founder for real-time conveyancing, Mike Price. And the two of them took a wild trip to Las Vegas to attend the Inman Connect conference in 2019, where their thinking for the startup got real. Now, in this interview, which we did back in late December, Kylie talks about the disruption happening in the conveyancing space, the need for better conveyancing experiences for buyers and sellers, and the challenges of getting a startup with such a very big vision up and running while also raising capital. But what I didn't realise, nor I think did anyone else, is that while all of these things were going on, Mike had been diagnosed with a very aggressive cancer and heartbreakingly, he passed away in January this year. So at the end of the interview, Kylie and I grabbed a second moment to remember Mike, who was both truly a fantastic CTO and an absolute rock star of a bloke. And you'll have to forgive us if we get a little bit teary. But here to tell us all about it, the good, the bad and the crying in the shower, Kylie Dillon, welcome to the PropTech Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. So the first question we always ask our guest, Kylie, and it's a tricky one, especially when you're a startup, but what is your elevator pitch? Real-time conveyancer automates and streamlines the conveyancing process from contract to keys through digital innovation. We bring all parties into the transaction, providing complete transparency and visibility throughout the process. Awesome. So if I understand it correctly, Conveyancing is a nightmare. It's got lots of moving parts. It's kind of like an AFL game where no one can actually pass or catch the ball, you know, hand pass or catch the ball, mark the ball. Um, and so there's lots of dropped balls as a result. But how big is that a problem? Like how, how and I know personally how painful it is when, <laughs> when conveyancing goes wrong, but, but why do we need real-time conveyancing? And what's the problem you're solving? How big is it? Um, you know, we all agree that the way people buy, sell, finance and settle property is changing. Um, the consumer is starting to demand greater visibility and transparency um, because they have that in every other aspect of their life. 
Um, what we are aiming to achieve is a wonderful experience for the consumer via technology and human interaction. Um, and, you know, I think research, and this was probably um, some of the research that you've actually um, delivered previously, Cause is that 34 to 64% of consumers experience a less than ideal conveyancing experience um, and they're entitled to expect more from the transaction. Yeah, like when, I mean, these are big transactions, aren't they? Like, you know, the median property price is around 600 and something Australia-wide. In a Sydney, it's 1.2. Yeah, absolutely. And the stress of um, buying and selling property is right up there with death and divorce. So yeah. we we owe it to the consumer to um, be able to enhance that experience for them. We need to be able to provide them some comfort and some certainty around the transaction as well. So, so tell me a little bit about how a real-time conveyancer works because there's a couple of different parts to it, isn't there? There is. So um, real-time conveyancer is made up of two components. There is the core platform, which is, um, which is the platform that's available to the conveyancers that's providing the, um, the workflow, um, a full trust accounting packaging, uh, package reporting, um, uh, business insights, data analytics, um, and document templates. And then there is the application, which is in the hands of the consumer, the real estate agent, and the finance broker. And that application um, is what provides the, it pretty much just brings all parties into the, the one space. Um, and it gives all parties the visibility and transparency over where we're at. So it's not, um, it's not just a tracker tool. Um, for the consumer, it actually, uh, we're trying to remove all the paper from the process altogether. So um, we're allowing the consumer the flexibility um, to receive all their documentation through the app. So basically they can receive it, they can review it, they can sign it and they can return it. And that's all through their mobile phone. Correct. Awesome. Okay, so instead of having to chase down my conveyancer and uh, the real estate agent and, you know, manually find get hold of these people to find out what stage they're at to then have to return 79 different calls and, and, and talk to the bank again, um, all of that stuff's happening in inside the app and you can see it. Yep. Yeah, so you'd be surprised by, um, you know, conveyancing has traditionally been a paper process. Um the, the stories behind why somebody hasn't returned a document, uh, we've had you know, snails have eaten it. And these are actually, these are true stories. <laughs> so snails have eaten their documentation. Um, the weather has damaged their documentation. Um, clients actually have a couple of different signatures. So they may just sign, you know, with their first name, um, oh, sorry, their initial and their last name, or they could sign using their full first name and their and their full last name. So the documentation then that's received by the bank is different to the documentation that's received by the conveyancer. So what we're trying to remove is a lot of the, you know, is the risk and the inefficiencies that come with um, transacting in paper. Um, having said that, if the client um, or the conveyancer choose to still um, adopt the paper the paper method, that's fine. Com- real-time conveyancer actually will allow them to do that, but we are giving them a better offering. Awesome. So so tell us a little bit about your background. How did you come to set up real-time conveyancer? What made you think we need we need this? Um, so I pretty much um, I, I did not have a love affair with school. I didn't enjoy school at all. I left school at a very early age. And I fell into um, an outside clerk role in commencing. Um, 
very quickly thereafter realised the joy and the satisfaction that I received in playing a really small part in helping um, sellers and buyers realise that dream of, you know, either selling their own first home or, or sorry, selling a home or um, owning their first home. Um, that uh, saw me obviously go through the TAFE process, um, receive my licence. Um, at that time, I was the youngest person to have ever received a commencing licence in WA. For someone that didn't enjoy school, it kind of told me internally that this was something that I was destined to do forever. Um, I opened my own business in 2003, um, was involved um, with ARCWA um, in, a, in a convenership where I was fortunate enough to be able to be involved with the, um, I guess, the introduction of electronic conveyancing. There was a lot of talk around it. Um, I was involved in many of those conversations and around the introduction of electronic conveyancing. I was always told that electronic conveyancing um, was going to take many, many years and I would probably be retired before electronic conveyancing ever came into play. But, <laughs> um, here I am living and breathing the dream. Um, but I was really fortunate to have a lot of interaction with PEXA. Um, that actually then led me to being able to restructure my business. Um, and in 2017, I took a role um, within PEXA working full-time in Melbourne um, it was meant to be a 12-week gig, which turned into two years. But my time at PEXA uncovered a passion for prop tech that I never actually knew existed. Um, so it was during that time I developed a vision um, for what I thought the future of commencing would look like. And I realised that the, the platforms and the tools that I was using today in my business was not going to get me to 2030. Um, potentially, they weren't going to get me to 2025. Um, hence real-time conveyance that was born. Awesome. How big is the real estate settlement space? What, there's about half a million properties sold every year in Australia. What's, what are the costs if you get it wrong? Like how, how, how big a market is this if we can make conveyancing more streamlined and, and elegant? Okay. So uh, I guess prior to COVID, the average number of transactions per year was around 450,000. Um, we're now sitting at around um, 560-something thousand, I believe. Yeah. Um, we have approximately 12,000 conveyancing firms nationally. Now, that's not um, that's not just, that actually includes lawyers. It's not made up of just conveyances. It's made up of conveyances and lawyers. Right. Um, the, and what is the overall, you know, potential costs honestly wouldn't know, Carl's, if, um, okay. yeah, it's like, yeah, I really wouldn't know. I mean, I think it's the cost, besides the cost of the damage to the consumer, it's um, it's the cost of the, um, the everlasting experience, you know, that to have a terrible experience for a consumer doesn't just go away overnight. No. Um, it stays with them for a very long time. Uh, I've actually had people say it's a little bit like childbirth. It lasts for years. Um, <laughs> and then they said, that, that's it, I'm never moving house again. Um, and then all of a sudden it passes and, they, you know, they go and do it again. So, And I should also add that that's not every experience, that's not um, the experience of everybody, right? That's just when it goes bad, it goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, and the impact is also long-lasting for the conveyancer or the person handling that particular transaction because conveyances are traditionally um, very compliant. They have a lot of care, a lot of empathy. They really do love their job. 
Um, they're extremely passionate about what they do and they care about the people. So they care yeah. about the outcome. And when the outcome, um, you know, goes horribly wrong, it's devastating for all parties involved. Yeah. But but that care comes at a huge, I guess, energy and, and you know, busy workload cost on behalf of the conveyances to try and keep things on track, right? Yeah, it does, absolutely. absolutely. And there's more and more... Um, I guess more and more work is thrown or more responsibility is thrown at the conveyances um, or practitioners. Legislation, regulation, it continues to grow. The job mm. does get harder um, and there is a lot more for conveyances to be across um, than ever before. And I guess in a market like this, you know, if you look nationally, the market has been slower than average for quite some time. I know especially in WA we had a, a really quiet period for approximately five years. Uh, COVID hit and the market went absolutely crazy, and now now it's hard to get find conveyances. You can't you can't find them. They've been out of the industry for so long, and there's been so much change um, yeah. that you know. Yeah, the, the the low value, mundane, repetitive tasks are so time consuming, and that's what real time conveyancer is aiming to remove. Awesome. Okay, so so your your customers are conveyances, but then uh, for the that's your business model that you that your um, that your conveyances are purchasing real time conveyances uh, conveyancing and real estate agents or buyers and sellers have what got access to the app free if their conveyance is using it or how does that work? Yeah, so the cost the cost the pricing model is really up to every um, conveyancing firm. So we don't want to tell conveyances how to run their business. We basically are saying, here's a platform that you can use. Here's an, an application that you can pass on uh, or make available to your uh, clients. Um, but however they want to price that is um, or, or pass on that price or absorb that price is entirely up to them. All right. Okay. Let's just take a short break and hear a quick word from our sponsors. Imagine a real estate forms and contract solution that's always accessible, up to date with legal changes and cuts admin time by 40%. That's the beauty of the Forms Live platform from Dynamic Methods. With Forms Live, Dynamic Methods have created a form system that is easy, online and best of all, compliant. Every month, 50,000 agents and property managers use Forms Live in 7,500 agencies across every state and territory in Australia. Plus, Forms Live has over 100 integrations, including the industry's most popular CRMs, connection services and digital signatures with DocuSign, making it the national platform of choice for real estate forms. Check them out at formslive.com.au. And so how, so you're, so you're still a, a baby startup, right? Like you've only just recently launched. How, how big are you? What's your, give us a little bit of feeling about the size and shape of the business. How, how far afield have you gone yet? Uh, so we've been working on real-time conveyancer for two years. Um, we did go live with our um, very first client in October. So we earned revenue for the month of October, which was, yay, that was very exciting. Um, and I think it's, you know, on reflection, you look at it and think you've come such a long way. And I think we forget to celebrate the small milestones that come with a startup. Um, and I remember you know, speaking to yourself and other people two years ago saying, hold on to your hat. It's a hell of a ride. If they tell you it's going to take this long, double it. If they tell you it's going to cost this much, quadruple it. <laughs> it's like a house renovation, right? <laughs> um, no one said you need to make more hair appointments to cover the greys or yeah. <laughs> um, 
the, all the wrinkles. That you, you, or the crying in the shower. That was something that came up to me. <laughs> so unless, unless you've cried in the car on your way home or sat on the shower floor and cried, you haven't truly lived a startup life. <laughs> um, but, yeah, two years in, um, we finally launched. We do have a pipeline of commencers um, ready to onboard and activate, which is is super exciting. But, yeah, I think that we do get so caught up in um, trying to achieve that end goal that we, that we do forget to celebrate the small the small wins along the way, which I guess really aren't small wins. They're huge wins. Um, but it is, yeah, it is certainly a journey, one that um, I have no regrets on. Uh, obviously, benefit of hindsight is a wonderful thing. And if you know if I knew now what I knew then, all these things would do differently. But I'm sure my story is no different to any other um, startup founder out there, especially not the ones that I've spoken to anyway. You know, when you talk to them about um, the, you know, the, the peaks and the troughs, the roller coaster ride, um, everyone just stands there nodding. No one says anything, but they just nod like, yep, I'm, I've been there. I know where you're coming from. And I think yeah. it's really important to acknowledge um, the hard times or the challenges or the troughs, whatever you want to call it. Because if somebody stands in front of you and tells you that um, the role of uh, a startup founder is nothing but roses, they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely not the case. Um, and I think what, I, what I've loved most about the journey is the people that I've met, um, the support, the encouragement, the camaraderie that comes with um, being in that um, prop tech startup founder space. Awesome. No, well, congratulations. It's a huge achievement to, to, you know, two years of Deb to get off the ground and and to turn it into your, you know, to turn your personal experiences in conveyancing and, and your broad professional experience in conveyancing into something that's going to really propel the app. Now, here's what I would love to understand because we had Lisa Dowie from PEXA on the show a couple of months ago and PEXA, and I know you've worked for PEXA, so... Um, how does real-time conveyor fit into the PEXA digital settlement universe? Great question. Um, there was, in the beginning, there was a lot of misconception that PEXA were going to replace conveyances yeah. or that you would call PEXA and PEXA would do your settlement for you because they were a conveyancer. Um, yeah. PEXA is an ELN, which is an electronic lodgement network. And what PEXA did, um, and they did really, really well, was digitise the last piece of the conveyancing process. So the financial settlement and the lodgement piece is what they digitised. Um, so if you can imagine um, the day of settlement, uh, a, a lot of people running up and down, um, I know here in WA we call it the terrace, um, I know in Adelaide they have a settlement room, so different states, different processes. Um, but basically it's a lot of people coming together to hand over documents and in return for checks and vice yep. versa. Um, and then um, the lodging party uh, takes those documents to the land registry or to Landgate and then they, they lodge them. That's what PEXA digitised. So it just remo- removes that chaos. Yeah. So how, And so how does real-time conveyances um, snap into that process, into that? So real time. So so if PEXA is say the last ten percent of the conveyancing process, you still have the the, the remaining ninety percent that needs to be handled by a conveyancer. <laughs> what what real time does is is provide um, conveyancing workflow and tools. So you know whether it's your trust accounting package, your document templates, your conveyancing workflow um, to the conveyancers to allow them to do their job really well. Right. So what so, we what we what we and then we integrate with PEXA. So basically, 
Um, instead of at the moment a conveyancer jumping in and out of a lot of unintegrated systems and tools to be able to do their job, that they're able to con- complete their transaction digitally and they're able to bring the consumer and the real estate agent and the finance broker into that digital space. So they're also not jumping in and out of a ton of um, unintegrated systems and tools. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so I get it now. Thank you so much. Um, so, so you're kind of like a CM, a CRM or a you know, a, a, a PMS for for conveyancing, right? Workflow solution. We call ourselves a transaction transaction management software is the name yep. that we've run with. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Perfect. And I just so, need to say that is, I'm actually very much awake. That is my dog snoring in the background. But- <laughs> we can't hear it. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so what, What's the competitive landscape been like? Like, what, what, who, who do you see as your main competitors, and how do you compare? We actually try not to get bogged down in this space. We actually compete against ourselves every day, um, and and by that I mean we talk about what it is that we do um, and how well we do it. So constantly trying to out innovate ourselves. Is there a better way to do something? Um, and our focus in everything that we do is, is this going to provide an amazing experience for the consumer? And if it doesn't, then we don't do it. Um, so I guess that's our biggest competitor is, that, is actually our consumer because we want to make sure that what we're building um, is giving them the experience that they're entitled to. We're also hoping um, that by by the way that we've built real time is that we're providing a level of education. So largely the consumers don't actually know what a conveyancer is. They know that they need one because the real estate agent or the finance broker tells them they need one. Um, And then they don't necessarily even know what it is that a conveyancer does. Um, And I'm hoping that by opening up um, the whole process to the consumer, they actually get to see, oh, right, this is actually what my conveyancer does for me. They don't just send me documents and I don't just sign them and send them back. But they do all all of this other amazing stuff in the background. Um, it also, I think, it will will raise the bar. The level of professionalism, um, you know, will increase because not everybody likes. They say that visibility and transparency creates trust, um, which is true in to a degree. It, tra- it creates trust and authentic relationships, but it also creates anxiety. Um, and by that, I mean, if you've ever, you know, if you've ordered an Uber and you've watched your little Uber car go round and round in a circle on, on the street and you're wondering you know, where he's going and what he's doing, it's that the level of not knowing what's happening that um, sometimes adds to the stress for the consumer. So the aim of real time is actually by bringing them into the mix um, and allowing them to see what's going on, that they do develop that sense of trust that the person that is looking after them has got their back, has got it. They know exactly what's um, going on and that they're going to be able to settle their property on time. And if not going to settle on time, they'll get to know why earlier in the piece rather than, um, you know, sometimes at last minute in the in the chaos of it all, finding out that their settlement's not going to occur. And that will still happen, right? That's that's just, that is the world of settlements. Yeah. So, so if I'm a real estate agent and I like the sound of this, um, and how do I how do I engage with real time agent or am I looking for sorry real time conveyancer or am I looking for conveyances that are using real time conveyancer? What's so the- from um, so from a WA perspective, obviously we're starting here, so we will integrate. Um, we're, in the, we're in the middle of integrating with Vault RE, the amazing um, Adam and Scott. 
Um, so the so when the real estate agent is in, so if the real estate agent uses Voltare as their real estate CRM, um, they will have the ability to send the contract through Vault RE to their conveyancer. Um, and if their conveyancer uses real-time conveyancer, it will land in the dashboard of the, the conveyancer using real-time conveyancer, and then the, the, the uh, process will flow from there. So um, but it's, yeah, that's that's what that's just the starting point for now. But the real, real what the real estate agent can do is ask, you know, as a, to their conveyancer, do you use real-time conveyancer? Right. Okay. And you're in WA only at the moment or are you a further afield? At the moment we are just here. Okay. And what are your rollout plans? Uh, to head into South Australia is um, is next on the road. Um, obviously, you know, but being very, very passionate about commencing and really caring about the consumer, um, I'm not looking to go, you know, anywhere until we have the process really nutted out here. Um, it would be remiss of me to, to say that I'm going to go from here to here to here um, without first having it locked down, deli- being able to deliver a really slick product here first. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it is all about the commands from the consumer and making sure the experience for them, um, you know, is great. Yeah, awesome. So, so, and I guess, look, there's a lot of different legislation state to state that affects this conveyance that affects conveyancing, right? So there's there's quite a lot involved in it's not just sort of rolling the the the, the tech out. There's a whole lot of extra stuff that needs to be ticked off in each state. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you know, one of the questions I get asked all of the time is why isn't anybody else doing this? So it's been agreed and acknowledged that, yes, there is a gap in the market. There is, um, the, you know, what, what real-time conveyancer is building is very much needed and it's, um, you know, welcomed. Um, but the reason people haven't done it is because it's hard. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a conveyancer in WA and, and I'm saying to you it is hard. You have you know, a dozen different types of sellers with a dozen different type of property transactions with a dozen different type of buyers who might be a first-home buyer or they might be a pensioner or they might be an investor or they might be a first-home, um, sorry, an owner-occupier. You have to uh, allow for every one of those variables um, and then you do that in one state with its own legislation, regulation and compliance and then you take it to another state. So it's certainly not, it's not easy. It's um, not something that I think should be, um, yeah, there's no shortcuts. You, yeah. you, know, you, you can't shortcut something like this. When you're playing with people's lives and the biggest purchase of their lifetime, um, you cannot mess with that. You can't take it um, anything other than absolutely seriously. Yeah. There's no 80-20 in this. No. <laughs> No, very. That, that's a great philosophy. So, so you just recently closed your first funding round. Tell me about how that went. Oh my god, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, <laughs> we uh, worked with. Um, so obviously, so originally the, the um, project was bootstrapped, and we were plotting along quite nicely. And I honestly hadn't really given any thought to capital raising. Um, it sort of came about fairly quickly, actually. Then we're like, okay, hang on a second. We've, you know, we've done really well and we've um, put all this money into it, but we are going to need more to get us to that next step. Um, so we you know, met with a couple of advisors. We decided to go with one advisor. Um, he said, how much do you think you need? Um, you know, with absolutely no science behind it, we said $2 million. 
Mm-hmm. Um, feels about right. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we sat down, we put together, um, you know, we already had our business plan, obviously, as you do, um, but I'd never had to put together an IEM or a pitch deck. So set about um, putting together both of those documents. So when I say it was hard, they were the things I found actually the hardest because um, they were just outside my comfort zone, not something I'd done before. And I didn't know people, I didn't know which people to go to to help me bring those to life. Um, Saying that now, you look back in reflection and go, actually, I have, you know, so many amazing prop tech startup founders around me. I could have asked any one of them, but... Um, and there was definitely a couple that I reached out to for certain pieces, but not realising the enormity of what was going to be involved. You know, an IM isn't a two-page document. Um, so I was working with these advisors and after about eight months, these advisors said, oh, look, you know, I, you know, we're really busy and um, we only take on this number of clients a year and we're really, you know, not too sure that we're going to be able to get you the money that, we ne- that you need, but we could probably get you, you know, maybe $250,000. And by then, I had a really good understanding of um, what I was going to need. So all the science in the world was put behind it at that point um, and became very clear, okay, this is what I need um, and this is what I'm, these are the people I need on my team to help me get to this point. So um, I just thought, well, I'll just head out there on my own, speak to a few people, see, you know, get some feedback um and all of a sudden I just had people saying yeah I'd love to invest I think it's an amazing idea it's a great idea and our IM was actually we were looking for um one million dollars in our IM our IM allowed us to take up to 1.5 um I raised the full 1.5 and then had to turn people away because we had reached our limit so uh while I say whilst I say it was the hardest thing I've ever done it was the documentation preparing for the capital raise I actually found the capital raise a lot of fun in the end um, I was at. I got to the point where I wanted to pitch to people in the street because of the <laughs> um, I do, I love. I guess I guess I love the vision so much, and I was being. I had that. Um, I don't know, not the, the confidence, but um, the confidence from the people around, from total strangers, saying this is absolutely what the market needs, um, and that just you know the momentum set in, I suppose, and um, got the ball rolling. And then yeah, I love talking about. I could talk about real time. I could talk about conveyancing for weeks on end. So that that was my that was my capital raise experience. Fantastic! Congratulations, that's awesome. Fantastic. Let's just take a short break and hear a quick word from our sponsors. Do you run a prop tech business or are you the founder of a prop tech? Make sure you join the Prop Tech Association of Australia. It's Australia's new not-for-profit association made up of tech people who are passionate about the property industry and committed to improving experiences in how we buy, sell, rent, manage, build and finance property. Joining will give you access to events and networks across Australia and globally to help you promote and grow your business. Go to proptechassociation.com.au and follow the prompts to join. So, 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 Carly, tell me, how do you visualize the perfect settlement? What does the perfect settlement look like in your head? I was, I think, the perfect settlement um, would see a consumer having a really good understanding of why they, in, why they were engaging a conveyancer. Um, like, you know, we know why we need an accountant. We know why we need. Um, different people in our lives, but to really understand why I needed that conveyancer, um, I think would be the start. Because I think all good, all um, 
you know, a perfect settlement or a perfect outcome generally comes because there's a level of respect between the parties up front. So, you know, we've engaged each other because we know that um, we want to achieve a really good outcome. Um, we know that the really good outcome might still involve some bumps in the road, but when you're confident of why you're heading, where you're heading, who you're heading there with, and that the person that you're heading there with has the tools to do their job really well, that to me is a good outcome. It's mm. a, it's not just about, you know, a seamless transaction or a smooth transaction or a fast transaction. It's about empowering all of the people that touch that transaction um, and I guess getting their buy-in early on, that we're all on the same page, we're all going to achieve the same end goal, um, and, you know, and to get there with everybody committed to doing what they're engaged to do to get to that outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, and throughout that whole process of being transparent and easy to check on where you're up to and you're getting, you're getting prompted about what the next step is and you're able to understand why that's important and you can flag early on if you think snails have eaten your title deeds, right? <laughs> you know, I will give this as an example because I've got really comfortable being um, getting vulnerable um, and that's something that took me a little a little while to get used to, right? You know, we don't often talk about the things that we don't know or the areas that we need um, a little help in um, and or, or areas where we've even done things wrong. You know, we tend to keep our, um, especially in conveyancing, we tend to keep it quite private around the things that, um, you know, the way we run our businesses or the things that occur to us. But one of the things that happened to one of the um, the girls in the conveyancing business during the week was that a client told her she was um, she was being big brother, and that um, she felt that there was a lot of pressure on her. Now we had sent uh, the conveyancer had sent documents to the client six weeks prior. They had been calling them, emailing them, and texting them to try to to make sure the client had received those documents. Um, that they understood those documents, did they need any help with those documents, but could they please return those documents because their settlement was looming. And the conveyancer was told she was like Big Brother and it was mm-hmm. a terrible experience for the consumer. Huh? Um, but that was because the consumer didn't understand everything in the background of, you it know, why the conveyancer was asking for these. And because the conveyancer couldn't see that the client had even received these documents, you know, yeah. that was she was just trying to do her job. She was trying to do a, a job as best as she could, and that, that was um, that was the response. Mm, yeah, yeah. And it, that le- you know that leaves a bit of a, a, a bad taste for both parties now. Yeah, because both parties still need to communicate to get to the end result. But already yeah. there's a bit of a um, a thing there, I suppose. You know, between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, so what? In, what do you see the next five years holding for the settlement space and for, for conveyancing? Um, I see the role of the conveyancer changing. Um, I do see the role of the conveyancer becoming um, more of an advisory type role. Um, I would I would think that through the tools that will become available um, to everybody involved in the, the property transaction, um, that will allow the real estate agent, the finance brokers and the conveyances to, to develop um, more deeper, more meaningful relationships um, with the consumer and to um, really help understand what it is the consumer wants from the transaction. I know, you know, we, 
there are other industries where before engaging um, somebody to represent them, they would talk about what sort of person do you want? Do you want someone, you know, what do you want that relationship to look like? Um, and it's not purely transactional. And I, th- I think that's where conveyancing will go. The, the conve- the guidance. Real- yeah, and the com- clients will um, sometimes, you know, if it's been seven, ten years since you last did a um, bought or sold a property, you, you forget who your conveyancer was. So you just go ahead and use another one. Um, if you develop those those deeper, more meaningful relationships and you really understand everything about your client, um, I think that's where we'll see the clients start to come come back time and time again because you'll develop a really um, not a not a it's not just about the relationship, but it's about understanding the needs and the wants of the consumer. Mm. You know, they don't want to be telling that same story over and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would success look like for you? Adoption, market adoption. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's going to be the answer to every every startup founder, is it, is once people start yeah. using it. Um, I think I feel like I'm already there, Kyle's. You know, yeah. to have... Um, to have the support of people of, of your industry, to, you know, to have the support of Rewa, to have the support of um, you know your, your peak body, your peers, your colleagues, um, industry industry members, to have people say to you um, that this is a great idea and that they support and encourage you. And how can I help? People are often reaching out. How can I help? What do you need? Um, that to me, I already feel. That makes me feel warm and fuzzy. You know, I feel like already we've um, we've been successful in just bringing it to life. It was never for me. It's not about having um, you know every conveyancer in Australia using using the product. It's about having people that have the same the conveyancers that share the same values that I do um, and share the same vision using real time. That to me is success. Awesome. Well, Kylie, Dylan, thank you so much for being on the PropTech podcast. It has been fabulous to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's Kylie Davis from the PropTech podcast here. And shortly after doing that fantastic interview with Kylie Dylan, um, we learned that very tragically her business partner, Mike Price, had passed away. So before we went live with the interview, we just wanted to take a little moment to um, acknowledge and recognise Mike. And so I've got Kylie back um, to tell us a little bit about him because he was an amazing man. We um, had many nights together in Vegas, the three of us, with with my partner, Mark. (laughs) So I know what a great guy he was. But Kylie, tell me how you and Mike met. Yes. Um, And Carl, thank you for giving giving me the opportunity to uh, touch on and I guess reflect on Mike and remember Mike because he was a huge part in obviously the the whole, um, you know, foundation of, of this platform. So we we met in, um, actually, I was in my role at KDD Conveyancing Services and Mike was working for PEXA and Mike was part of a team that flew across from Melbourne to Perth to understand a little bit more about conveyancing. And we got to spend some time with him here in Perth, myself and a few other conveyancers. And, you know, when you just meet someone and you just, you just know that they are a really decent human and that a friendship is going to form from that initial interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. So we did have a few emails going back and forth while Mike tried really 
hard to um, to understand the role of the conveyancer. And uh, then I went, went to work for PEXA. And at the time um, that I first landed in Melbourne, Mike was actually in New Zealand, but he knew that I was uh, in the Melbourne office and he was like, sit tight, sit tight, I'm coming. Um, and I was really looking forward to catching up with him. And when he did come in, I remember we did this um, big run from opposite ends of the whole <laughs> We've seen each other and we did it in real slow motion and we just had this like great big hug and, you know, it's it's quite unique when you look back on it now and think this was a guy I'd actually only met, you know, a cut once or twice, but we had a lot of email um, and uh, phone call conversations. But, yeah, we just really clicked. So he was FIFO from New Zealand to Melbourne and I was obviously FIFO from Perth to Melbourne and he lived probably around... I still lose my bearings with Melbourne, uh, but I think it was around a, um, well, it was it was about a 15-minute tram right away. Yeah. So we quite often used to, uh, our days, we didn't obviously get to spend very much time together during our days. We're both in really different roles, but at night time we would, we would pack up for work and we would walk home together. Um, usually, you know, the wind would blow us into a bar somewhere and, we would sit down and, and talk about all the things that um, I really loved about conveyancing and Mike would tell me all the things that he really loved about IT and technology. So we, you know, these conversations went on two or three nights a week for about 12 months. And uh, then we obviously heard about the Inman Connect conference and um, great people like yourself was going and that was like, oh, we really wanted to be involved um, in, in that event. And at that point in time, I was in a role in PEXA, which was um, an R&D role, but really had me, um, I guess, travelling and spending a lot of time um, researching what the future of commencing looked like. Um, and that was, you know, a passion of my own personally, as well as something that I really love doing within my role. Um, so Mike and I got together, had a bit of a chat, and I said, look, this is, you know, I'm going to go. Um, I took some annual leave from PEXA. It wasn't something that I actually did as part of my PEXA role. I took some annual leave to do it for myself. I knew at some point in time my role at PEXA would end and I would come back to my conveyancing business here in Perth. Um, and, you know, again, Mike and I have been having these many conversations around the platform that I was using at that point in time wasn't necessarily going to get my business to where it needed to get to. And, you know, back in that day, we were saying my business isn't going to get me to 2020, let alone 2022. And, um, you know, here we are today in 2022. So it's amazing how quickly that time has flown. Um, but, yeah, so Mike's like, oh, well, if you're going, I'm going. So we set off on um, the trip to Inman and Mike really got to hear from a lot of amazing speakers, a lot of amazing technology, which helped him um, more so understand what it was that I was thinking I would like a conveyancing platform to look like. So after having spent, you know, four days in um, Vegas, he was like, I absolutely agree with you. I think that, you know, we should do this, um, you know, probably after too many glasses of Pinot, it was like, yep, you know, absolutely, let, let, let's do this, let's do this. And, you know, we were surrounded by so many like-minded people and, you know, that whole likes attract likes and being getting caught up in, um, or not getting caught up in because we all very much believed in our own vision, but that affirmation that what you were doing, that vision that you had is was, was very much a reality and it just really takes working with the right people to bring that dream to life. 
Yeah. Um, look, Carly, I think maybe you have this influence on people because I do remember you and I meeting for the first time and it being just like a click. So, <laughs> <laughs> and we've been inseparable ever since. So, um, you yeah. just know. No, yeah, you, you do just know. know. Yeah, you do. So, so what were his strengths, like as your co-founder? Oh, Mike had this um, uncanny ability to um, just see, so solution-focused, very, very solution-focused. Um, and one of the things, you know, I used to always say, when you talk about how people click, I used to always say, give me, a, give me a solution, don't give me a problem. And Mike was, the moment we met, he, I think he said something very, very similar. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. We're going to be friends for life. So he was very solution-focused very positive, um, you know, never a glass half empty kind of guy. Um, he would make a, make a friend wherever we went. And, you know, sometimes I'd say to him, we're not here to make friends, right? We're here to do <laughs> business. He's like, oh, you know, everybody needs a friend. So he was super happy, um, super welcoming. Um, and, you know, he just had the ability to make everyone around him feel very comfortable and very reassured um, that they were in good hands. So, you know, he was a great sounding board for me, never um, never, you know, never gave me advice, just always let me go to him. I'd, off, I would offload, so sometimes just share, and then I'd be like, actually, I don't need to anymore. I've solved that problem myself, but thanks for listening. And like, <laughs> okay, great chat. And he'd hang up and, and I'm sure sometimes he didn't even get a word in, but... <laughs> It was it was just the um, his mannerisms, you know, just being around him um, was just really inspiring. So, Kyle, what was his vision for the business? How did he see Kate? Um, how did he see see real time conveyancer going? Hang on, I'm just going to say that again. Completely stuffed it up. Um, so, Kylie, what was Mike's vision for the business? How did he see real time conveyancer? He was uh, brilliant in being the support person. So he asked me many, many times, you know, what, what was the what was your vision? What was my vision? Because the vision was so grand and you can't, you can have a high level understanding of somebody's vision, but to really be able to understand how I can best support that person because he was, um, you know, he was the CTO. So how, do, how does he make sure that he has the right people on his team to help bring my vision to life? So he was very, very happy to be that support person. And every day he would just keep asking me the same question or a similar question just to make sure that he was always of the understanding of what it was I was trying to achieve um, and being able to then articulate that to his team. So, I mean, you know, I'm sure we're not the only people in this position, but we started or we founded real time prior to COVID. So never in a million years did we expect that we were going to um, be able to see each other once in two years. So we founded uh, real time in January 2020. Uh, I flew to Zealand the following month. The month after that, COVID hit and I never got to see him again. So, you know, that's... I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> That's probably the hardest part. Yeah, yeah. He's never actually been able to get to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, so whilst we spoke every day and, um, you know, thank God for video calls and um, FaceTime because, you know, that, that the 
building technology when one person's in New Zealand and one person's in Australia is hard enough as it is. Oh, when you're in Perth, like there's a pretty big <laughs> time gap between those two. Five hour time difference, which so that sometimes meant a start for me of 3.30 a.m. Oh. Um, but it sometimes meant a late finish for Mike while, you know, I wrapped up what I was doing here in my day to then be able to chat to him. So, um, you know, sometimes that was 10 or 11, you know, sometimes midnight for him as well. So we did that for, um, you know, well, up until he passed away pretty much um, or until he got sick, should I say, when he just wasn't able to, um, you know, commit to being available that for that length of time. So, um, so yeah, so not only did, you know, we go into business and, and COVID hit, but you, no, one, no one goes into business thinking there's not longevity in the relationship between yourself and your co-founder either. So I really feel that, you know, we certainly had our challenges, but I'm really proud of where, um, of where we stand today. And, you know, that is largely because of the leadership that Mike displayed to um, the development team. Um, and I know they miss him terribly. What, you know, we're, I think we're really, again, really fortunate to have the people that have jumped into Mike's shoes had been part of his team for many, many years um, and had a lot of, um, you know, knowledge and experience in that field. So the transition, you know, whilst it was incredibly sad to for Mike to transition out, it was a smooth transition um, because he had developed his team, in you know, to a degree that we, I guess we needed him to be developed you know, and he, him knowing when he first um you know, we first became aware that he was unwell. I think he knew that um, whilst he never wanted to admit it and he kept telling me he wasn't ready to go, I think he knew that time was short and, you know, it was critical that he got as much out of his brain um, and into the brains of other people as he possibly could, you know, in the best interest of real time. He was incredibly selfless. Um, he was known as being a mad professor um, he was absolutely, um, or he is absolutely irreplaceable. Um, and he's, you know, just a, a really unique human. Yeah. And what will you miss was, the most? Oh, that warped sense of humour. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the times that we were in, in Vegas and we would get into a lift and, um, and his daughter, Megan, actually touched on this in um, her eulogy at his funeral. And as soon as she said it, I laughed out loud because we would get into a lift and he would close the door and say, now that I have all your attention or now that I have you all here, or, I'm like, Mike, like, you're so incredibly awkward and creepy at times. <laughs> <laughs> because not everybody, you know, some people look sideways going, you know, the guy had an Australian accent for a start, which I think used to always freak people, freak people out during the Vegas trip. But, yeah, just incredibly, um, um, you know, welcoming and um, a man with absolutely no ego but the biggest heart that you could possibly imagine, um, a great listener, um, you know, a really great um, shoulder um, and just a huge support person, you know. Like I said, he he didn't have so much of the vision because he wasn't in that. He's not in the commencing space, but he knew that he had the skill in the background to deliver what um, to deliver on that vision. So yeah, like I think the, the, the bad dad jokes. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he was just hilarious. Just a really great human. 
Yeah. Well, look, we will raise a glass of Pinot to him because he did love a Pinot um, and it has been absolutely wonderful to, I mean, he will be very sorely missed and and it's been lovely to hear um, hear all this from you and to to spend a little bit of time to honour him. Um, Vale, Mike Price, you'll be really missed. Yeah, thanks, Carls. I really appreciate the opportunity and, you know, let's... Um, Let's live, let's let his legacy live on through real time. Fantastic. All the best. Whew. Okay. I hope everyone is okay after that. And even listening to it again now, I start to lose it a bit. So Mike, Kylie and my husband, Mark, and I spent several nights on the town in Vegas together in 2019. And he was an extraordinarily gentle, thoughtful, intelligent and super fun man. And he did love a Pinot. It often comes up about how hard it can be to be a prop tech entrepreneur. There are so many balls you are constantly juggling. The vision, the team, the development of the tech, the money, the sales, the funding, every single one of these things alone are huge pieces of work that are thrilling and in combination and over time they become it can become completely exhausting. But to have to deal with them all plus the knowledge that your co-founder is dying and that you can't see or hug him or say goodbye properly due to COVID lockdowns and that you need to transfer all of his technical knowledge into your team at the same time that you're dealing with a major funding round and launching the new tech. Well, that takes extraordinary strength of character, resilience and EQ to be able to deal with all of that. So my admiration for Kylie Dillon knows no bounds although I know it did take a hell of a lot out of her to not being able to say a proper goodbye to Mike. And under the circumstances, a little bit of shower crying, it's perfectly okay. So Vale, Mike, you will be very sorely missed. And with so many of us experiencing loss over the past few years due to the pandemic and to lockdowns and being separated from those that we love, if this episode has triggered any feelings of grief within you, know that you are not alone and that it does help to talk to someone. And I've included some of the helplines in the show notes if you need someone to reach out to. Please don't suffer in silence. Now, if you have enjoyed this episode of the PropTech Podcast, I would love you to tell your friends or drop me a line either via email, LinkedIn, or on our Facebook page. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Apple iTunes. I'd like to thank my podcast producer, the fabulous Charlie Hollands, and our sponsors, Direct Connect, Making Moving Easy, Dynamic Methods, the name behind Forms Live, REI Forms Live, and RealWorks, and the PropTech Association of Australia. Australia, Australia's industry body supporting the flourishing prop tech community. Now, if you're an Australian or a New Zealand prop tech who would like to be on the show, drop me a line via LinkedIn or Kylie at proptechassociation.com.au. Thanks, everyone. Until next time, keep on prop teching. <laughs>